Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, I want to welcome you back to week three of our series entitled DNA, where we're talking about building blocks to greatness. Uh, I do want to celebrate these amazing baptisms. I want to welcome those of you watching online as well. Isn't that awesome to see these lives that have been transformed? I know we've, we've clapped several times, but trust me, heaven is clapping because the Bible tells us that all of heaven rejoices when one person comes home to Jesus. And we never get tired of it here. Um, in fact, if you're looking at those stories and you're saying, I need some change in my life, well, Jesus is who you're looking for. Um, it's not even the building blocks to greatness that you're necessarily looking for. You're really looking for Jesus Christ who can absolutely change your life and he wants to have a relationship with you. And uh, really, that's the bullseye for us. Um, I, I don't know how many of y'all send the little emojis. My kids taught me about it. Now they're teaching me about the memes or whatever. I'm, I'm technologically challenged. Uh, but my favorite emoji is the big eyes. I use it a lot as a pastor and a dad. It basically means you did what? Uh, but I also like the one with the bullseye, the target. You ever send that one to anybody? Well, that, that, when, we, when we see these baptisms, that's bullseye target not just because these people are now eternally changed, which is a big bullseye target in the heart of God, but it's also a bullseye target for us because we're not just trying to have a gathering of people, we're trying to help people become followers of Jesus. And I'm so excited when I hear these stories because these people are beginning to follow Jesus Christ. And uh, this is a season where we talk about taking next steps and uh, if you're new to Milestone, we always talk about taking next steps. And so if you're, you're brand new, maybe that's a step you need to take. We're having baptisms again next weekend. Uh, we have our growth track if you're new. It's small group season. And I know a lot of times people that are new come in and say, how do I get in one of those groups? Well, the grow track process, 101, 201, and then we have a new class of 301 starting up. And in that, you'll get a small group experience, not just teaching. And so I can't encourage you enough uh, to take steps in our growth track. And then our expo weekend is coming up for all of you that have been through the grow track and want to uh, experience life the Bible way where you can do life together and learn together and encourage each other and walk out this plan God has for your life together. That's what small groups are. I'm excited about our new freedom groups as well that are kicking off. And of course, we have connect groups and financial peace and so many places for you to plug in. Uh, it's really going to be an awesome time here this fall as we're all we never graduate. We're all taking next steps in Jesus together. And so let's all do that together. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel. That's in the Old Testament. We were in the Old Testament last week. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 9, and I want to tell you a story. I want to talk to you about a big character in the overall Bible story. His name is Saul. And we're going to talk about this week, again, our next DNA. And so if you're new, though, you're like, okay, what's this DNA series all about? Why are we talking about DNA? Seems like biology. Uh, DNA stands for deoxyribonucleic acid, and it's literally the genetic code that you have. 
99 point plus percent of our codes are the same. It's complex, it's detailed, but there are percentages of the code that make us unique. And I believe there are some unique building blocks that you can bring into your world, uh, just like we see it biologically. You can have it culturally in your home, in your business, and in a church. To be honest and transparent with you, there's so many new people coming to Milestone. Um, I'm doing this series as well to help some of you who are saying, what are these people about? What are they like? And so I'm trying to give you a little behind the scenes, but it's not exclusive to Milestone Church. I believe some of these principles, uh, they work in life. I've been thinking about DNA because we're talking about it, and so uh, there's all these practical ways our biological DNA is used. Um, I talked to you about Ancestry.com, so everyone today goes on these sites, and okay, now I see my heritage. Of course, many of you watch the crime shows, so DNA can be used in a court case, uh, but I found one that was very interesting. DNA is being used by a company called Echo Health and Beauty, I thought this was quite humorous, to check your DNA to see what fragrance you should wear. Ladies, you can get your DNA checked and it'll tell you your match for your fragrance. My wife, she loves romance. Quite honestly, I'm glad she does, praise God. She wears that romance and I get romantic, <laughs> praise the Lord. I myself, I think, inherited my dad's DNA. My dad had something, I don't know, I think it matches his DNA, you know. He had Vitalis, some of you don't even know what that is put a little grease up on his hair, comb it back, and brute 33. Come on, somebody. Okay. I've graduated to Jovan Musk, but anyway, I think it's in the same category. So those of you repping Old Spice and you've been repping it for years, it's in your DNA, okay? It just matches you, that musk smell. Come on. But anyway. But DNA is used in practical ways. Again, we're using the metaphor, so you get it. We're talking about what makes you in your family, a business culture, a team culture, a church culture, yes, what, what actually is the hidden thing sometimes that manifests themselves in the way that you build. DNA number three this week is character over charisma. Character over charisma. Some environments are built on the special giftings of people, and let me be very clear up front so you don't miss what I'm saying. I'm not saying charisma is bad. In fact, the word doesn't mean charm and it doesn't mean personality. The Greek word charismata, charisma, it's, it's a gift. And we celebrate the gifts that God has given us. We want to steward those. It's amazing to see a God-given gift being used. And I'm not just talking about the extroverted ones or the public ones. I'm talking about gifts with numbers or gifts with people or gifts showing mercy or gifts with money or whatever it might be. See, God put those gifts inside of us, and that's a good thing. The problem is if you lead with that, it ends up having some real challenges. You see, in fact, the gift can become a problem if it's not led with Christ-like, Christ-like character. Very, very important. So here at Milestone, from the very beginning, we've said we're not building on the latest, the greatest, the ta most talented, the one with the best online profile, the person who can sing, dance, whatever it may be. We're not leading with that. We're leading with character. On Monday, 
right around here, 1.09 p.m., I think it is, is going to be the moment that everyone's talking about. I hear traffic in the central part of the United States and other places is lining up for the solar eclipse. Everybody, okay, is lining up for this. And so many people don't even know why we're lining up, okay? We forgot what it even means from science class, okay? But, but the earth is moving around the sun and the moon is moving around the earth and then there's this phenomena that happens very, very few times and so everything ends up in perfect alignment and what happens is the moon blocks out the sun. You're like, how is that possible? Because the sun is 400 times greater in size it's massive, it has intense heat, it has this intense power. But because it's so far away, here's what the eclipse is, the moon actually blocks it out. I wanna let you have a thought while we're enjoying this scientific phenomena on Monday, maybe we could think about it spiritually. That a character challenge in our lives, when we are not teachable, when we're having pride issues, when we don't know how to treat others, when we don't know how to sustain long-term situations in our lives, when we get ahead with our gift, did you know what? It can actually, in your life, if you're not careful, that character challenge can eclipse something very powerful that's put inside of you. That's really character over Charisma, And most people are drawn to charisma, but God says, I put the value on character. First Samuel chapter 9, it's the story of Saul. Saul had this challenge, yet he is selected by God, and you wonder what's happening. I'm going to give you just the top of the story and the main points as it pertains to what we're talking about. Israel, God's people, has been led by judges and prophets spiritually, and yet they've wanted a king. And it's interesting, the dynamic of it, God is, he ends up giving them a king, but there's some hesitancy because God knows that if we get a king before King Jesus, then there can be some challenges with us in our nature to trust the king instead of the ultimate king of kings, and that one day we'll miss the true king. And he's not a political figure, he's the son of God who comes to save us, and so yet it's, he works with the story and he works with us just like he does today, and he's bringing about his ultimate plan, and so he brings them this king, and yet let's look at what it says here in 1 Samuel 9 about him, it says, Kish had a son named Saul, a handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. I love the storytelling of the Bible. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but what I get from that is the Bible's trying to say, this guy would be the one picked on the playground. That this is like, you know, Brad Pitt and The Rock combined together. Are you with me? This is like, some of you ladies went, amen, you know. I know I look like them, but anyway. It's like, charisma, you know, good looks. It's like they would pass the, if there was an NFL combine, it's like, oh, oh, athlete, athlete. If there was the voice trial, oh, 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 they can sing, right? So, so, so what it's saying to us is out of the crowd, he stands out. 
He stands out. And so what happens is, if you look over at verse 15, usually in Israel's history, the transition is hard, but right here it just sort of comes together. It says, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, appoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I've looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. So God gives them this king who stands head and shoulders above them all, has this charismatic sort of demeanor, if you will, has a lot of gifting, and he starts off with great power and great success. There's an attack of the Ammonites. I'm just going to read to you, kind of tell you the story of the next few chapters. There's an attack of the Ammonites, and he gathers everyday people and has a huge victory right off the bat. And what we begin to see is I'm going to kind of take you through the next few parts of the story. I want to read from 1 Samuel 13, but what we see the Bible communicating to us right here in 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 is that your charisma and gifting can open doors that sometimes your character can't sustain. Your charisma and gifting is a a door opener, but it's your character that sustains the open door along the way. Samuel has a contradictory kind of look here when he's talking about his legacy and what he's done. In chapter 12, he actually says, look, I haven't taken from anyone. I've had the right spirit. If you look over in chapter 12, he says, I haven't cheated anyone. I haven't oppressed anyone. I've had you on my mind. I've had serving you in my heart. And then we come to chapter 13, and Saul is made king at 30 years old. And then comes the real test. By the way, if you build on charisma, when the real pressure comes, it will be tested, your character. The real press, the Philistines. Again, it's hard for us when we tell these Bible stories. We're like, Philistines and Ammonites. We're talking about very primitive type war, and we're talking about losing your life. And so the Philistines are an aggressive group, and they're coming after the people of God. And now guess who's in charge? It's Saul, his big gift is going to be tested. There's pressure. His son is fighting on one front and he's over here. And the Bible says right before what I'm about to read to you in verse eight, it says he and his guys are huddled up and they're quaking with fear. They're quaking with fear because of the pressure now that he's under. And it says he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal and Saul's men began to scatter That's really hard on the leaders. Like, wait a minute, everybody's running here. I need them to stay together. He said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. Now, you're like, why is that a big deal? He's about to offer a sacrifice to God. The reason it's a big deal without a lot of explanation is God had clearly said, don't do it. God clearly said, don't do it. And, I, and we could get into theological reasons because of separation of duties and not giving the king the power and keeping the spiritual people and the prophets doing the spiritual things and the priests and all of this. But if you just kind of boil it down, everything that God asks us to do and even his word sometimes before we're illuminated by the Holy Spirit, there's just times says, just, just don't do it. But under pressure... You have a tendency to do what you know you shouldn't do, and you tend to take the short road and the low road instead of the high road because pressure causes all of us to do that. And he says here, he says, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings, and Saul offered up the burnt offering. And just as he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And I encourage some of you who are thinking about compromising your character, 
and you're gifted and you're under pressure because maybe your mouth and your vision has overloaded the pressure in your moment and you're out there. Sometimes we compromise right before God's provision comes. Right before Samuel was gonna show up, before he arrived, he makes the burnt offering and Saul went out to greet him and what did Samuel say? What have you done? What, what have you done? It's amazing when someone on the outside is looking at your situation, they're always wanting, if they're spiritual and they're walking with God, saying don't compromise, do it the right way. Don't compromise. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time, remember timetables also, set time that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I've sought the Lord's favor so I felt compelled. I felt compelled. His feelings overrode his character's ability to choose what is right. You've done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. This is strong. Thank God for Jesus and thank God for grace. And this is the same gracious God. But he still says, you know what? Your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now, now, I am imposing this on the text because I, I know the holistic nature of God through the lens of the New Testament, Jesus Christ. I personally believe if Saul would have just said, I am sorry, I got scared, I, I compromised, I just, Lord, help me. Okay, Samuel, talk to me. But instead, his pattern was, well, you did and they did and I was afraid and what about this and what about that? I believe that he could have had a walk with the Lord and God would have, because we see God do it all the time, where he comes back and he says, you know what, I'm going to be gracious to you, but here's what you need to know. It's, it is this moment, but it's really the pattern of his life. The pattern of his life is to keep being in this scenario and situation. So ultimately, his charisma and gifting and his moment was lost because his character could not sustain him. Now, before we're too hard on him, I see some things in Saul that I've seen in myself and you've probably seen in yourself. He's performance driven. See, he's just thinking about results. The men are scattering. What are we going to do? He's performance driven in his life. He's insecure. I've been insecure and you've been insecure. And man, and, and you get under pressure, your insecurities, they can manifest strongly. He's performance driven. He's insecure. And really, at the end of the day, one of the things that really kills him is he's so independent doesn't listen. God brought people around him to help him, but he was so independent. And so it is when we trust our gift, when we trust the God-given grace things that he's put in our life over saying, God, here I am. I want you to do a work in me. I want to build according to character. So I want to dig in this a little bit deeper. It's a great story. I could keep talking about it. There's so many aspects to the story, but let's talk about how our our giftings, again, and by the way too, most of the time in life, your charisma is out ahead of your character. It just is. Your charisma, I don't, and again, I'm not talking about charm, I'm not talking about personality. What you do well because God gave you the ability to do it well, it's out ahead of a lot of times God's development process in our lives. And so that gifting is, is moving us faster sometimes 
than our character to development. So let's talk about how we can build on character over charisma. Let's talk about some ways that we can really dig in that. Let's take a deeper look at it. By the way, I love to tell a funny story about this and wasn't so funny at the time, but um, God has always had to work on me. I, I've always felt like many times God in seasons was just pulling me back keeping me in obscurity, pulling me back, making me do the basics, making me listen to wise counsel, challenging my own perspective. So many times as a young pastor, um, I was, again, many of you know this, I started as a senior pastor when I was in my early, early 20s. And I remember one time I was in a season where God was just working on my pride. I know none of y'all may have any of that, but I got a double dose as a young man. And so he was just working on me and I was at a, at a conference, a, a meeting, and, and so I, we were there for a few days, and I found myself sitting kind of in this section back over this way out here somewhere, and, and I was sitting in the meeting, and here's what I was thinking. I'm 26, I've been a senior pastor for five years, and, and I'm, I'm really close to these people, and they haven't asked me to announce anything. I got a touch on my life, y'all, I'm just telling you. They haven't asked me to share anything. They haven't asked me to tell people where to go for the breakout sessions. They haven't even asked me to talk about what we're having for lunch. And I want y'all to know, I got a word inside of me as a 26-year-old powerful man of God. And I'm sitting out there the first day saying, when are they going to let me on that stage? When are they going to let me have a little bit of that? I'm just sitting there thinking about that, and so we go through the first day, nothing happens. In the middle of the Saturday kind of session in the morning, the leader there who was leading it all, it was at his church, he looks across this little section over there and he goes, come on. And I thought, finally, <laughs> finally, come on, yeah, hey, yeah. I, I, and, I, and then I had to make sure though, so I kind of leaned in and like that, and he, he did it again. He goes, like that. I said, well, hey, it's on now, brother. I mean, I stepped out in the aisle. I started walking down the aisle. I mean, I got a word, baby. I mean, look, maybe wrong, but never in doubt. And so I'm just, I'm walking down there just like this. And I get about halfway. All the people are there. My friends are there. Jed Walker's over there. He's sitting about where he is right now. He and I have been friends since we were in our early 20s. He's sitting here thinking, they're going to give little the mic. I'm thinking, man, yeah, but I get, I get in trouble because I look right here and I'm looking up at the leader. He's looking over me at one of the ushers. He's telling him to come. Now I'm in trouble because everybody's looking at me and just coming to the stage. So I, I just strolled up there and, you know, it's back in the day where we had the wooden altar with the plants. I just adjusted that plan a little bit and went and sat back down. I mean, that plant, that's affecting the anointing. Y'all know what I'm saying. It's really hurting the culture. And that's the story of my life. Every time I thought I should get the mic, God said, fix the plant. <laughs> fix the plant. Work on your character. Work on your motives. Work on your agendas. Character over charisma. Let's understand the distinctive, because some of you are like, okay, Jeff, I don't know if I have this. And again, talent and charisma is not bad. How do you know when you're building on charisma instead of character? Here's just a few thoughts that I had about it. Number one, 
Your leading thought is speed and money. In other words, it's not being yoked to the right scenarios. It's not character. It's not, it's, 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 it's speed. I've got to get this to this by this point. Timelines in our culture today affect us in terms of our character development. It's speed. I've got to be here by now. It'll cause you to compromise more than anything by saying, I should be here by now. FOMO, the fear of missing out, I should be here. Money is one of the big areas that can cause you to compromise. There are more people that have compromised their character for the sake of, you know what, this could generate for me income, speed, and money. Here's the next one. There are different versions of you. There are different versions of you. The way you relate to certain people is different. When you're building on character over charisma, the closer you get to someone, you see their flaws, but the closer you get, the more respect you have, the closer you are. If you're building on charisma a lot of times, if charisma is the leading thing, and you've all been there, some of you live long enough to understand everything that glitters is not gold. The closer you get, you're like, oh, ooh, ah, ooh. My, my daughters, you know, I have a lot of girls in my house. They have these, these makeup uh, mirrors. And, and so it's like, you know, I, I stand in that big tall, I have one in my room, you know, y'all have heard about it. It's a thinnerizing mirror, and, and I look great in it. You stand back, big long angle shot, brother looking thin and powerful. You get up in that makeup mirror, <laughs> nobody wants to get in that makeup mirror. The closer you get, you can tell, are this, is this a person of character and substance or is this a person of personality and charisma? Here's the next one, you allow gifted people to skip steps. We don't, we don't build that way and never have here at Milestone. Gifted people skip steps. I was watching uh, or listening to a message by Lou Holtz, the great football coach who was teaching a bunch of leaders, and he goes into this section that he learned from John Wooden, the great football coach, where he was talking about one of the keys to his program at Notre Dame was there would be talented people come into the program, and again, they're recruiting these talented athletes from all over the country, and then they come to this college program and right off the bat, he said we had to begin to challenge their way of doing things. And many times there were some who said, this is how I wear my socks. This is how I do it. And he said, that's not the Notre Dame way. So if you're going to play here, you're going to put your socks on like this. Some of you go, that seems harsh, Jeff. Are you just saying, no, no, here's something all of you need to understand. If you want to build a great team, the worst thing you can do for a team culture is allow gifted people to skip steps. The worst thing you can do, because what that says to the faithful, ordinary person who's walking out character, what you're saying is, there's a way around. And then what happens is, the entire culture begins to change. You can't allow charisma to lead, if you want to have a great team. If you just want to have a mob, you, just, you don't have to worry about it. But if you want to have a great team, you can't allow gifted people to take Skip steps. Okay, number two, let's apply it to our lives personally because some of you are like, okay, I'm relating. I think I got some of this. Well, let's talk about what we do with it. How do we really fix it? Number one, you have to realize this. Your gift is not a sign of spiritual maturity. 
Your your gift is not a sign of spiritual maturity according to the Bible. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And a lot of those things play out relationally. So if you can't walk out relationally some things in a healthy way, then those are character things. And and I want everybody to understand something too because you hear Saul and you hear God say, I'm not going to use you. Look, We now live on the backside of the cross, and so we have Jesus, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and don't misinterpret that I'm saying you earn your way through just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and have more character to God promoting you. That's not not what I'm saying. Actually, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit at work in your life. It's Jesus at work in your life that causes you to take the high road, that causes you to forgive, that causes you to have self-control, that causes you to love someone, that causes you to choose things that are contrary to your normal thought process. But your gifts, if you lead with those, can disguise these things in your lives. And it's not a sign of spiritual maturity. I love this little section of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul comes to this Corinthian church, they're very gifted, and he says, you don't lack any spiritual gift. I would love for the Apostle Paul to come here and say, you guys are not lacking any spiritual gift. But I would not want him to say what he said over in chapter 3, you're babies. You're babies. And then he has to keep talking to them about arguments and disagreements and not preferring others. He had to tell this church, he actually told them, he said, you guys would be better off not gathering. That's strong language. He said, you come together for the worse and not the better. That's Paul. That's not me. Don't look at me mad. And why? Because they were so gifted, yet they were so unhealthy. So your gift is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Here's the next thing. You are not your gift. You are not your gift. That's not who you are. Can I say transparently, that's not easy. That's not easy for me. That's not easy for you. It's not easy to recognize yourself not in relationship to what you do. What you do is not who you are. That's hard to sort out in our lives. That's hard to walk out in our lives. It's difficult to separate in our lives. I'm going to tell you, if you don't separate it, when you do really bad, then you think, I'm terrible. Not only did I do bad, I am bad. That's what you begin to think. And when you do great, then you can think, I'm great, not he's great in me. So we have to separate our gift from who we actually are. Think about it in light of your children, for those of you that are parents. Man, when your kid does something great, man, it's exciting. But if you really love your kids, you don't really celebrate them just for what they do. When they catch the pass, when they make the grade, when they get the trophy, when they get the achievement, you're you're not truly as a parent, when you're the most encouraged regarding your kids is when they make the character-based decision, when they get rejected for choosing God, and you go, you know what, and they're able to walk it out, which is so tough. It's so tough today because you don't get rejected just personally today. You get rejected online. You get rejected by friends, but what you look at your child and they choose God and they choose what's right and they make a good decision, you know why you're so excited about that? Because you know that will affect their future. The chances of them catching a ball for a living is probably fairly slim. Very, very small percentage. And thank God for the ones that catch a ball for a a living and still have character. 
The majority of them are good at catching a ball, so our culture celebrates them, gives them millions of dollars, and their character cannot sustain the promotion of the resources that are put in their life because they're gifted at catching a ball. But a good father that we have doesn't love us on the basis of our gifts, but cares more about our character and who we're becoming. And so we are not our gift. Here's the next thing. You can't take shortcuts. You can't take shortcuts in character development. I mean, this message, it's, in, it's inspiring at some level to all of us because it's really what we want. But i got to be transparent with you in this. It, it's not easy. Because if you choose the character road, it's never going to seem like it's happening on your timetable. Because charisma is the microwave Character is the crock pot on low. Anybody got a roast in the crock pot? Come on, somebody. It's Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Just cooking that roast. Probably not, but I mean, remember a day when we had it. Come on now. We still got to beat the Baptist to the restaurant, but anyway, all right. If we put that crock pot roast on, we wouldn't have to fight for that spot. Y'all know what I'm saying? But it's just sitting there all day, just cooking, just so it'll fall apart. Just, 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 just tenderizing. Because that's how character development is. You can't, you can't take shortcuts. And it's easier today than ever to take shortcuts. Our media world, our online world, you think if you have a great profile and you have something to say online, then you think that the person saying it has character, not necessarily. Today, technology and the speed of life and the, and the pressure on being famous over being faithful... I'm going to tell you, it's harder today than ever because everything everybody thinks can be accelerated and you can skip steps. Not if you're building on character. Not if you're building on character. It takes time. I wrote this down this week. When you realize your gift doesn't make you mature and God loves you for more than your gift, you can be secure enough to develop the character your gift will require. You better surround your people, yourself with people that think this way. My pastor, who I've had in my earth since my early 20s, he would always tell me, Jeff, I'm not concerned with the buildings you'll build, the churches that you'll do. It's not, I'm not concerned with your preaching or your messages. I care about your soul. I care about your wife. I care about your kids. I care about you having a staff that you can walk together for a long time. Many of our team, we've walked together for 20 years. And I'm going to tell you, that takes the fruit of the Spirit. Long-term relationships. He's kept telling me that. On our, on our dedication day on this stage, he said it again. He said it to you publicly and he said it to me privately. I'm much more proud of the man you're becoming in Christ than the buildings that you've built. Now, when you're in, tw in your 20s, you're like, can we have a few more of those buildings? Come on, somebody. When you're about to be 44 and you know what the rich things in life really are, you keep saying, I know it's going to hurt so good, but let's keep thinking about character along the way. How do we live it together? How do we live it together? Well, we appreciate gifts, but we build on character. I want to show you two ladies. One of the areas of the church where this is the most challenging because you need skill and we love it so much is the area of worship and music. And I want to take you back to one of these ladies who goes back in relationship with me and my wife for a almost 20 years she talks about it and then another lady who's very gifted and came into our environment I want you to know this in both seasons we desperately needed help in this area of our church but we don't build on the fact we need help so we just scoop a gifted person in who doesn't have our heart and spirit because we build on character not charisma 
I think you could get an impartation of what I mean by listening to it from their vantage point. Watch this story with me. opportunity to work with a highly known producer at the time in Nashville for country music. My gift had opened the doors for these big opportunities, but I felt so small on the inside. My husband and I were planted at Milestone 17 years ago. I knew I needed to grow. I wanted my inside to match what was on the outside, and so I began to pursue people that, um, like, I admired their marriage. I admired their interactions with their kids or how they ran their household or you know the decisions they were making in their lives I, I wanted to find people that I could glean from and learn from and I would just go pursue it I would go get in the car with someone and ride to the grocery store and go about their day and help them fold their laundry or whatever I could do to just get around people that I knew I could grow and become a better woman I made a decision to invite correction in my life, to say, what do you see in me? Like, um, what do I need to change? How do I need to grow? And that's not easy. It's not like the natural decision that a person makes. Like, it was something that I knew I needed and that God wanted for me because we're just not that good in and of ourselves. We need voices in our life. I remember a conversation that went something like this, you know, your gifts would be a blessing for this church, but to be able to walk in all that God has for you, there's some things that need to be forged on the inside of you. I went from this place of everyone saying, you're so awesome, you're the best, you sing so beautiful, and all these accolades and all these happy words, and I go from that to someone saying, hey, you're really good at this, but you know what, you really need to grow here and that's really what I needed to hear when your identity is connected and tied up in what you do and not who you are in Christ then you don't want people messing with that you don't want people speaking to that because then it starts making you feel like gosh who am I without this it's been invaluable like I would not be the leader that I am I would not be the mom that I am I would not be um, the minister that I am without the trusted voices that God placed us. He literally placed us in this family. We had been what we believed on the cutting edge churches, you know, we'd been a part of those. And, and ministry at large, you know, where hundreds of people come to know Jesus in Colosseums and things like that every night. I came in with great expectations and thinking, well, surely they're gonna ask me to come up and be a part of their five-person team on this little bitty stage, you know, but they didn't ask me. And when I went and said, can I be a part, you know, they said, well, you know what? We'd like for you to just get to know us. I've had so much exposure to glittery things. I had to come in and let the Lord develop humble 
character in me. I saw some things manifest in me that were not good. That was good for us. There was a lot of healing that took place and there was a lot of new vision that, that we got. I got a taste of pouring into people and leading one-on-one, -on -one, a small group here and there, and then larger groups, and the opportunities to pour into people's lives to make a difference. That was one of the main things we learned first at this church, is that you just come in and humbly submit yourself to learn to serve. Loving on them, serving on them, greeting them at the door, you know, the way we were greeted at the door. I'm like, that was significant. That brought us in to want to be a part. I just challenge people to get down in that serving, loving level and then let the Lord move you and develop character. What really lasts is investing in the lives of people. I want to say thank you to Betsy and Jeannie. Let's, let's pray together. You've, you've received from... If you've come here any amount of time, you've received from the authenticity and the simplicity, but you see the backstory there. The first most important decision to help grow your character and become who God's called you to be is really for the character of Christ to be inside of you, to have a relationship with Jesus. And so if you've never received Jesus, you've never surrendered to Jesus, you never decided to follow Jesus, he wants to have a relationship with you. So you can simply say, Jesus, here I am. I receive you today. Come into my life. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. Become my Jesus. Not just a theory of a Jesus. Become my Jesus, my personal Lord, my personal Savior. If you prayed that more than the words and you really meant it with your heart, then he comes to live inside of you and you've started a process of learning how to grow in him. And so we want to help you with that. So we'd ask you to let us know. But second of all, Lord, we pray right now for all of us, myself included. Lord, we, we ask you in this hard, countercultural way of living that we would think about our character development so that our giftings don't open doors, that don't charge up accounts that we can't pay the bill on. Lord, we ask you to do that work in us, though even though we ask it, we know it's painful. It may take a little longer may be counter to what we think, but in the end, it has more sustainability. So Lord, we thank you for doing that work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 